Hey everyone, I'm Justin Fiedler and this is Dirt Tracker Conversations. The USAC season kicks off this weekend with the Midgets at Bubba Raceway Park in Florida for the first weekend of the Winter Dirt Games. To get you prepared for the weekend and the full USAC season, my guest on this episode of the show is USAC's series PR guy, Richie Murray. We talked 2020, the schedule for the three national series this season, who to watch, and a lot more. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Richie Murray. I want to start with, you know, the word off season is such a misnomer in motorsports. Um, you know, there's so much work to be done once the season ends to kind of get ready for the next year. But what's your off season look like? And, and what are all the things you guys have going on at USAC this year? Well, off season doesn't really belong in the vocabulary of racing, but it, it almost kind of gets busier when the off season hits because you got to pretty much structure during the race season, you know, going race to race and that's how it is. But once the off season hits, you uh, get all the projects to <laughs> get all the stats updated. Like I, I've been doing that every year, get all the stats updated. I've decided to write a book, be a part of writing a book, a new silver crown book called Rolling Thunder, uh, which should be out in May. Uh, just, and then digitizing videos from our USAC Thunder library. And I mean, it's, the list is endless. And then, and then you got breaking news on top of it, which uh, it got a later start than usual this year, but uh, I know we've had a few things here and there and you just gotta be ready and prepared for all that. And then, uh, and then basically you gotta remember, look ahead of 2021, you got all that, everything else coming up. So it's, it's nonstop pretty much. It's 24, seven, 365 probably more than that actually sometimes yeah. when you look back at 2020 and, and all of the COVID and pandemic stuff aside what is going to kind of stand out in your mind from you know the USAC season of, of racing for 2020 well when I think back on it I I think about how everybody I mean we didn't know if races were going to happen sometimes and you know races are canceled all of a sudden then you got to find new places to go all of a sudden like for example, Springfield at the end of the year, we didn't, it was, it's been traditionally in August forever. We have the Hoosier hundred all of a sudden appear. <laughs> we get it's the Hoosier hundreds back on the schedule. And then all of a sudden Springfield's taken away. And then you're like, well, I guess the silver crown season might be over. And then you get silver crown at Springfield is scheduled for October. And it's basically just being prepared for everything that can be thrown your way. I mean, it, obviously you put the schedule out and that's what you feel it's like it's going to be rather unless it's a rain out obviously that always comes into play but you never quite experienced anything like this and same thing with the teams because they had you know they're raring to go in february and early march this all hits and then you're down for two three months or whatever it was and then uh pick back up and it was about the busiest stretch it was just race after race after race and kind of unpredictability and we just kind of come up with stuff. There's, you know, double headers at Kokomo and Gas City that weren't on the schedule at the beginning. Just a 34 raceway and Peevely weekend. I, I remember that wasn't on the schedule. It's just, it's just the ultimate thing to be prepared for anything that's thrown at you. And uh, you always think you're prepared. And then once you're put to the test like that, it truly comes through. So I look at that for not only for the USAC crew, but for all the teams being able to persevere through that. And uh, make it an incredible season. 
I, I know there were a lot of tracks that you guys ended up racing at with all three series that, you know, weren't on the schedule originally or, and you, you know, maybe you guys had never even been to before. And, and I'm curious, like when you start getting into those situations where you're not sure where you're going to race, when you're going to race, are the tracks calling you guys saying, Hey, we have open weekends, come to our racetrack. Are you guys calling around saying, Hey, we're trying to find some dates. What's going on. You know, what do you guys got going on? Yeah. Well, that Levi Jones and Kirk Spridge, and luckily they, uh, <laughs> they have that side to deal with, but I know it's, probably a little bit of both because I get the emails from tracks wanting races and I send them to them and, and uh, vice versa. So it's kind of a little bit of both. Um, and at that point in time, I know, you know, series are trying to move around everywhere and it's, it's just trying to make, you know, something happen to get races in and uh, same for USAC and same for the tracks, just trying to get races in. And I know like some of them, it was, uh, you know, like Eldora, for example, just put in a really bad spot, couldn't have any fans. And that's the same for like a lot of the California tracks. I mean, they had, they couldn't have fans. So it's just kind of, you know, tracks coming out of the woodwork sometimes like Merced. Uh, we hadn't been there with USAC national series, just a couple of times with the Western States. And, uh, you know, they really wanted to race there and made it happen. And we, that was two of the best races we've had all year. And then, it parlayed itself into uh, becoming a two race weekend uh, this year on, on this year's schedule. So it's just a little bit of both, honestly, and just trying to just trying to get races in was the key for everybody last year. With the, you know, you guys got a, a solid number of midget races in, a solid number of sprint car races in. You only got five Silver Crown races in. Uh, you know, was there talk of, of not even having a Silver Crown champion in, in 2020 or was that never even brought up? I mean, obviously the hope was hopefully we can get something going because I, I mean, it was just a kind of nerve wracking, uh, honestly, for, for me personally, like, man, I, as it was our 50th season, like, man, is there going to be anything happen this year? Cause you see tracks can't run. And a lot of them are fairgrounds tracks, which are owned by the state in most cases. So you're at the mercy of them. And then, I mean, especially with Silver Crown, there's so few that can you can lose and still have a, a decent season. And like I said, we thought after we had Sealands Grove and, uh, yeah, Salem and Lucas Oil, we thought at one point it might just be a three-race season. And Indiana State Fairgrounds got added, and then uh, we thought that might be it. <laughs> and then October comes, and here's the Springfield race. So – yeah, it, it, it was a little nerve wracking on my end for sure. Cause, uh, and on everybody's end, cause it's, I mean, it, never been through anything like that. <laughs> and you're, like I said, you're expecting rain or whatever, but I don't know. It's, it, it was, a, it was a little, a little hairy there for a little while and never known when the season might end or might start. Yeah, that's for sure. basically the theme of the season. Yeah. For the sprint cars and the midgets, you guys obviously have incredibly tight championship battles, kind of down to the wire. You know, Wyndham wins the midget deal by a point, and you know Brady wins the sprint car deal by not many points. And you know, how many times has that been the case? It seemed like you know my kind of fandom of USAC is is pretty new, but like, is that common for for those championships to kind of go right down to the end like that? So it's funny, like the the sprint car battles. I kind of did a chart on this and the, I think ever since 2017, I think all those are ranked within the top 10 all time closest finishes. 
So even this one, it seemed like a blowout <laughs> for Brady Bacon. But I think he won it by like 39 points or so. It was like the 18th closest finish in the history of the series. And obviously there's different point systems that have been used along the among the years. And But of late, it's come down to the final race. It's so close with everybody. And yeah, like we had in every, every single championship within it, like Indiana Sprint Week, you come down to like seven or eight drivers available, uh, mathematically eligible. And so it, I don't know. It's just, uh, I remember blowouts and drivers just kind of coasting, but it, it doesn't happen a little bit at the end of the season. Um, but these days it's so close and so, I mean, anything can happen. And just one little hiccup, like we've seen in the midget stuff, when Tyler Courtney had that kind of rough start to the season was way behind. And you thought, man, he, he's probably out of it. I don't know what they're going to do. And then Wyndham just has one bad night and Courtney wins. I think that was at Jefferson County. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, but yeah, the points races down to 10 points all of a sudden. And I think Wyndham had another bad night the next night. And then Courtney had the lead. It's like people can eat up points that quickly when there's, you have a one-off night. So yeah, that's been the case a lot lately. And uh, like the one point difference uh, for the, uh, for the midgets this year that tied 2008 and Cole Witt and Tracy Hines out down at Irwindale and the sprint car deal. Obviously there was that tie a couple of years ago, yeah. 2018. And that, I think that broke the longstanding record from 1965 when they used to do like half points and thirds of points, <laughs> the kind of interesting point system back then, but <laughs> a lot less points, but I guess they're all valuable and even more valuable today. Yeah. Looking at the midget deal specifically, I actually just just finished last night adding a bunch of the USAC midget races from 2020 to my own site and kind of looking at some of those numbers right off the top. And it seems like Tanner Thorson kind of dominated the season. He's got he had the most wins, most top fives, most top tens, you know, was was better than average finish. And, you know, with the way the USAC season works out with some races that are like not, you know, not for points and things like that. And, and with him having issues like right out of the gate in Florida, like between the Florida issues and those races, like, did he just pick the wrong races to like do well in through the course of the season? Cause like, if you look at things, you'd be shocked to like, look at that and think that he didn't win the championship. Right. It's just a happenstance, I guess. It's like Thomas Meserol, his first couple of USAC wins happen to be non-points races. It's just the, the ones you're run up front, you can never tell. But um, yeah, for Thorson, like I know he had the, the issue at Ocala, he won the first night, then should have won that second night. He was yeah. leading, dominating, and he blew up, then won the third race out. And then he missed a show along the way with uh, mechanical problems. And, I mean, that that's really the killer. <laughs> it's right there because it's, you know, less than 30 points. He lost the championship by 20, 30 points. And any little thing like that can uh, damage championship. That's – like we said, it's so close. Any little thing like that. It's pretty crazy that that can happen in a, a season that's 30 races and this year 44 races that you pretty much end right where you started almost sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, for Thorson, just I think he led uh, in wins, top tens and top fives. But yeah, he won the Merced race, which was appearance points only. And then, but he was, yeah, it was just those little things that, uh, that, you know, he either wanted or had some kind of mechanical issue. And I know Indiana Midget Week, they had the engine problems too, which uh, put him back in the hunt there. 
just um it's it's hard to overcome when you just lose even one race yeah and force well, them unfortunately as, as we kind of look at 2021 now, you know, you've, you know, hopefully we get full schedules in for everybody. Um, you know, what are your kind of, you know, expectations and, and thoughts about the upcoming season? You know, do, do we expect similar faces up front in each of the three series? You know, do we think we'll see different champions? Like, you know, as you kind of take a look at, you know, the drivers that, you know, are going to be full time this season, like who are some guys you're kind of looking at? Well, I mean, the silver crown season, Justin Grant, finally rose to the top last year and Cody just had like a lifetime worth of a <laughs> bad misfortune there. And, uh, and Cody's not running. Well, as of now, we'll see, he's only got the pavement ride with Doran mm-hmm. at the moment. So it kind of opens it up for somebody like Justin Grant to repeat. And obviously like, we don't know what Chris Wyndham's up to. And there's some other guys that are trying to put some stuff together to run the full deal, but yeah, I think it almost if you look at it, I mean, it's obviously always the uh, the defending champion. He owns the series at the moment, so it's basically Justin's to lose at this moment. He's he's been in that same car at for a long time now, for five six years. So they got the team together that they've had all the success with, and they seem to be rising every year and rose to the top this year. So that's going to be hard to beat him, and but. Obviously, like Cody this year, nobody probably would have betted against Cody and, you know, just a bunch of misfortune in pretty much every race, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and you look at the sprint cars, it's the, there's a lot of the same familiar faces. I mean, obviously you saw Chase Stockton rise up with the new team. That'll be interesting this year, but they have the uh, uh, teammates with Paul Neenheiser, which will be interesting in itself for rookie of the year case, but he got Wyndham back and Hayward equipment and uh, Justin Grant back with top. There was talks of him possibly venturing somewhere else, but he's back with top another longstanding relationship for uh, Grant and a team. And, you know, CJ Leary with his new car, that'll be an interesting one to see because they, they dominated that Bill Michael number 77 M. They dominated the USAC Southwest series for a number of years, winning championships with, RJ Johnson. So they have great equipment. They got that Ford engine, which is a rarity in uh, sprint car racing, but they're, they're, they'll be interesting to watch to see if they can uh, elevate their game on the national level. And it's been the car owner's dream to always run it. He wanted to do that with uh, CJ and obviously have um, Kevin Thomas Jr. Uh, Self admittedly, you had him on your show last I did, week. Yeah. He wants to do much better as, <laughs> as we all know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just a lot of Robert Blue, can't forget him. And, you know, just it's the sprint car race is wide open. There's a lot of guys up there that can uh, that can compete for a championship. And on the midget side, again, Chris Wyndham back in the now CB Industries car. Yeah. Uh, same ride. But I think at this moment, they only have one full time car that they're running. Um, and then. Tyler, Tyler Courtney not running full-time this year kind of opens it for other guys. Lee Thorson with the Dave Mack Motorsports team. That's a, obviously a new ride. He ran, we saw a little bit of hint of that at the uh, Chili Bowl, how well they meshed together, and that was their first weekend out. So we'll see. It seems like when he gets on teams that elevates the teams, I've, I've noticed several times that uh, 
it's, it's kind of instant success. <laughs> it doesn't take too long for him. But the, uh, the one that probably you keep an eye on is Buddy Kofoid for sure, because he obviously rookie of the year last year, but elevated at the end of the year. He won a couple of those races at Arizona and Bakersfield, pretty much outdueled Kyle Larson. And he's got Keith Coons equipment. He's going to be good. He's got a year of experience now, and he knows it took him quite a bit to uh, win that first one. It took all the way to September of last year, but yeah, he'll be uh, he'll be tough this year. And uh, Justin Grant and Thomas Meserol, that what a team that is yeah. for RMS Racing. I mean, two of the most exciting gassers, and that's a rising team as well. And they um, that'll be fun to watch to see what they do. When you look at some of the younger drivers, especially with the midgets, you know, the, you know, like Kaylee Bryson and, and days and Persley, like, you know, drivers that were close, you know, you know, got some top fives and were close on wins. You think that, you know, those drivers can, can take some steps forward this year. And then are there other names, you know, that are younger drivers, uh, you know, like, you know, you, you mentioned Paul Nienheiser there with the sprint cars and I'm like, you know, what are we expecting out of somebody like Jake Swanson with the sprint car series? Like what, what, who are those kind of other drivers coming in that you're, you're excited about? So, like on the sprint car side, there's, I mean, we're Mario Clauser is one of those guys that's been around for a while, but uh, he's running the full tour for the first time. And yeah, Jake Swanson, like you mentioned, uh, he's one that's had a lot of su success in the West Coast. He had that big move to Indiana. He's currently building a house right now at the moment. So it's all kind of Last year was a whirlwind. They didn't even expect to move out here. It was all because of COVID stuff. They just decided on a whim. Let's, we're going to do it. We're going to go now. And they did it. So everything was kind of going crazy. And he didn't really know these tracks too well, even though he's been out to Sprint Week a couple of times. But he was still learning the tracks last year. And he, at the end of the year, he had that fast time at the, the Fall Nationals at Lawrenceburg, the final race. So a good team. They Like Bill Michael team, they've won quite a bit in the Southwest series and they won with CRA, but national deal is a different deal. And it'll be interesting to see them rise their game up and see how they can do. But the, the name you mentioned, Kaylee Bryson, obviously uh, very fast last year and had that, had a great run at third place, had a quick time. Um, but we've never had a female winner in USAC national racing and I know everybody's been – there's been quite a few talented ladies that have raced in USAC Midgets over the years. Sarah McCune, Sarah Fisher, Holly Shelton uh, recently. And I don't know, maybe this is the year. Just uh, – I, I mean, she's got the talent. You can see it. She's got the speed and obviously definitely the equipment. Um, and Emerson Axum, who with Petrie Motorsports, is one of those that hasn't won. And you kind of expected him last year to – like it may take a little bit to uh, to get because he kind of started off he didn't run much and then all of a sudden he started running and he had the uh, out at uh, Jefferson County in Nebraska he almost won that deal he came in second and was just sneaking around the bottom and after that I think it was just a huge confidence boost and he was running top fives and I mean he's definitely one to watch and another one with good equipment which is an important thing in midgets because you have to go all out in these deals and and you have to be a gasser to to get to put yourself in con, into contention to win 
One of the things that seems like it's been a theme this year with the schedules is is kind of rising purses, which I think is a great thing for everybody involved. And you know, we saw Sprint Car SmackDown up their purse, and and now this this new event at Husets, um, you know, that's going to pay two hundred thousand dollars, you know, over a couple of nights. And you know, when you look over the schedule, what are those events that you are excited to see, excited to get to uh, in twenty twenty one? Oh, hey, well, all of them. <laughs> that's the cop out answer, but yeah. Oh man. Well, I can pretty much put it like this. There's the, the new events are always exciting. And then like on the uh, midget schedule itself, we have four new events that uh, tracks we've never been to with that series. Well, three actually, but Houston's we haven't been to since 1996. I, I've only seen the one minute highlight clip of (laughs) Kenny Irwin Jr. winning, but it looks spectacular. And that, like Matt Wood was always saying, he's like, this track is tailor-made for midget racing. It's like, well, man, I, I'll take your word for it. It, it looked pretty <laughs> fun in just one minute back 25 years ago. So I, I can't wait to see what these guys do today. But then uh, Circle City Raceway in Indianapolis, I, for a long time, like I've lived in central Indiana my whole life. That's been kind of just a TQ track. Um, they were in the Mar- Marion County Fair there and I've been to the fair a few times and saw the TQs there and they've uh, made the conversion to a track that can run sprint cars and midgets. They kind of totally redid it and put some money into it. And that's, that'll be interesting to see because obviously a hotbed of racing right there in central Indiana and didn't really have a dirt track within the uh, city limits for midgets since 16th street speedway back in the day. And I think, yeah, it was. It's like the last time we've had races in Indianapolis with USAC for the midgets was uh, 2005 at the Speedrome. For the sprint cars, it was 1984 at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. So, uh, expecting big car counts and big fan counts for that one. And then uh, the other really cool new track is Bloom- Bloomsburg Fairgrounds. We've been seeing some stuff coming out of there and. Uh, Levi Jones taking a little spin in the uh, in a sprint car the other day, the Weikert's livestock car. So they're they've per, they're putting a lot of money, million dollars into that that place, and they haven't had racing in three or four decades. Redoing the track, redoing walls, fencing, taking down this big stage in the infield. So they're putting a lot of effort into this to to make it happen, and we're going to take the sprints and midgets there. So a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of places that are unknowns, but I'm sure to produce good racing. And then like Path Valley, and then there's a few tracks we haven't been to in a long time. Like Path Valley for the sprint cars, we were supposed to be there about 10 years ago, and it got rained out. Um, Sealands Grove, it's been 50 years since the sprint cars have been back there, and we went to Silver Crown last year, and that came down to the last lap. Yeah, great race. <laughs> And uh, there's just a lot of tracks that uh, new and traditional events that, I mean, having Eldora back on the schedule, obviously, that <laughs> four crown and, and the let's, let's race two events. I mean, for me as a kid, that Eldora was the place. It's just shock and awe when you look down through those uh, from the top of the grandstands the first time. And same thing with Winchester and the silver crown going there for the first time one of the most historic tracks in the history of the United States. And it's been there since almost hundred years, hundred years. And, um, you know, we haven't been there with the sprint cars since I don't know, 
2011, I believe. Mm-hmm. And Brady Bacon's going to be promoting that. It's an interesting story in itself with, with Brady's connections to Winchester. And he won his first USAC race there, USAC sprint race there, and met his wife there, who was the, <laughs> the trophy queen in victory lane. Um, so he's going to put a lot of, into that. And obviously we've seen him have the success with the port city event last year with the midgets, which is a back also for two nights. So just, it, it's runs the gamut. There's a lot of interesting events, just anything for everybody. In, in terms of breaking news, uh, you know, obviously there was a couple of things that came out today. Um, but I'm wondering, you know, over the next couple of weeks before we lead into Florida, like, do you expect there to be more news? I mean, are you hearing things that, you know, are going to happen that haven't been announced yet? Or do you think we're, we're settled? Um, I don't think we're settled. I, I, there might be some more rumblings here in the next day or two, actually. So okay. <laughs> sorry, I can't share those, but no, no. You'll, you'll see when it comes out. But, um, but that's one thing I've been hearing about. So okay. sorry to tease you like that. Everybody. No, it's good. I, I like teasing. <laughs> yeah. So, Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying when we go to Florida, um, you know, mm-hmm. midgets, the first week sprint cars, the second week, you know, who are guys you're looking at to win those? Is it, is it just, you know, Thorson, you know, Wyndham, you know, is it, is it the, you know, the normal cast of characters or, or you know, are those racetracks, you know, are they going to be open for there to be, you know, maybe some guys to sneak in and win those races that haven't, you know, we haven't seen win before. So, you know, it's the interesting thing about Bubba Raceway Park is how it produces champions. Mm-hmm. So, Sprint the getting off to a good start is obviously a key, and we always start our season off there for the past decade. But uh, sprint cars, it seems like every year Brady Bacon swept the weekend last year, goes on to win the championship. Chris Windham won the midget stuff <laughs> at the, the second night there, went on to win the championship. The year before, Tyler Courtney wins the midget stuff, goes on to win the championship. And it's on and on. Tyler Courtney won there in the sprint car <laughs> the year he won the sprint championship. Robert Ballou, Brady Bacon back in 2014. It's, it's, there's, it seems to be a theme, interestingly enough, that these guys are not only prepared to go right out of the box to be successful, but I don't know, something that is conducive to maybe it's because they want. I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg or whatever. If it's because they won, they went on the champion, went on the women's championship, or there's something in the water down there. But it's, uh, it seems like it just produces champions. There's, I mean, there's always a possibility for surprises. We've seen, not that it's a surprise or anything, but like Kyle Cummins has run well. He runs well there every year, and he hasn't pulled off a victory. I think he's finished second three different times down there. And he's obviously had a great season last year, um, and he'll be right there again. We got, you know, just the the interesting combinations, too. We mentioned a lot of the midget guys, but uh, like sprint cars, there's going to be – we're expecting probably mid-30 to 40 cars there, which is a big car count for away from the hotbed of racing. A lot of people like to travel down there and get the season going, but, you know, you got like – like guys like Briggs Danner, an East Coast <laughs> East Coast sprint car winner, and Timmy Buckwalter, another East Coast guy that's a champion. Brent Beauchamp has won USAC races. He'll be in Epperson's car. Dave Darlin in Baldwin's car. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some interesting combos there. And then uh, like Chase Johnson in a good night, 22. I mean, Cole Bodine, he ran – 
he, he ran well in midgets at times, but he this one sprint car start last year at Lawrenceburg. He was top 10 right away, and he's got good equipment. He was the national sprint car first-year driver of the year. And then uh, Jaden Rogers got another – got a year under his belt with USAC. He'll be down there in a, in a good quality car. Um, it'll be his first time. Stevie Sussex, Riley Kreisel, who we've seen win USAC – Midwest Wingless Racing Association races and one with war. And when he's run with USAC, he's been fast. I mean, you could just go on and on with all on these guys because yeah. they're just, yeah, those are a lot of talented individuals here. But I, I believe you're going to see a lot of the same guys up the front because they're just that good. They're, <laughs> I mean, they're the, obviously the guys to beat and the challenge for all these guys is to get up there and mix it up with these guys and beat them at their own game. I want to ask you, I'll let you go here pretty quick, but I want to know about, you know, this kind of, you know, the, the, the move in the streaming world to kind of bring so much more racing to folks at home and, and all of this. And, and, you know, to be able to have all of the USAC races available, you know, through flow racing and, you know, and, and it was like, you know, when we didn't have racing going on, where you know, where everybody shut down, you guys open up your archives and all of a sudden, you know, we've got 24 seven racing happening on flow. And I'm, I'm curious what you think from where you sit about, you know, the impact of, of the flow and streaming stuff for, for USAC and, and how it's affected kind of the series and, and the business here over the last year or so. I mean, it's, it's changed everything. We see our numbers up across the board for people paying attention to the series, basically. And just that it's so accessible. It's, I always have a hard time like seeing people complain about $150 for, <laughs> for a year. An entire year. <laughs> like, uh, man, I spend that in two, two trips to the gas station. I yeah. mean, <laughs> but it, it's so affordable compared to the, uh, the pay-per-view price that we used to have to pay for 30, 40 bucks for races. And, but it, people have bought that and they got so much access to everything. <laughs> Even like we talked about, I'm actually, you know, digitizing. That's part of my winter project. We're uh, getting, getting those classic races up on 24 seven. And it's just a continuous process of just getting more content out there. And I mean, it, it, it's an endless supply <laughs> and then you can, and then now that the USAC is part of it, they got all-stars. And I think just that going back and forth, just uh, all-star fans who probably never really wanted to watch USAC just made tune over and say, well, that's pretty good. I might want to go to the – I'll have to check that out and vice versa. I think it's just good for everybody um, as a whole and good for racing because I almost consider like flow – like the early days of ESPN when ESPN showed tons of racing and like their first race was a USAC race at Salem, 1979, which I haven't been able to find by the way, if anybody knows where that tape is. Um, but yeah, that it's just, there's tons of racing. It wasn't, it's crazy to think just three years ago, like our races were not streamed. There's just a few races here and there on variety of networks out there variety of streaming uh, devices and now it's literally right at your fingertips and I and I always think back to uh, when I was like 1997 trying to find the uh, speed sport in the mailbox and read about on Thursday coming off the school bus and grabbing the paper and running inside to find out who won five days ago at Salem <laughs> and then it's not even that much later I, that you literally 
not only it was crazy enough when the results were at your fingertips as soon as the race ended you already knew who won now you get to watch them too that's just mind-boggling and it's helped out everybody in racing and it's helped us immensely to have that platform that so many fans are able to access it and watch these full races and see how great it is I'll let you go on this. I am curious about you specifically in terms of, you know, you have worked for USAC for a while. You are, you know, this kind of incredible knowledge base of stats and, and video stuff and all of this. And, you know, what does it feel like for somebody like you to to work for USAC and to kind of be a steward of all of these things? You know, the, you know, the history of USAC is so incredible. Um, but for you personally, what's it like to be able to, uh, to do all of this on a daily basis right now? I mean, I, Still, it's still crazy to me that <laughs> I have to, when it gets really uh, crazy in the midsummer stretch that uh, when you're going to have seven races in a row or whatever, and you're away from home, you wonder, what am I doing with my life? Then you, <laughs> then you got to stop and think, you know, I get to do this for a living. I get, I mean, I was obsessed with USAC as a five-year-old. And, <laughs> and to tell you that, like we had my babysitter, but you could bring VHS tapes to uh, to uh, to the babysitter, and they said, "What we can watch them in the afternoon." And everybody's bringing cartoons and all that stuff. I remember my favorite tape was uh, I think Winchester Midget Sprint Double Header from 1990. <laughs> I'd bring, and all the kids would have to watch it, and I'm sitting there watching it, and all the kids are, "What is this?" <laughs> I'm asleep. They're like, "Man, you guys don't know." <laughs> so. It, just to be that little kid to know, like, because I used to keep stats just as, you know, just a hobby for as a little kid. And now to actually be getting paid and to do it and to push it even further along and do cool things with them and to have access to all these. Because I kept all my records and there were so many missing pieces and had to have to call Dick Jordan to find out some info. But now to know that I'm, I'm a part of it and I have, I have the access to all these things and I can, I can see them on a daily basis. It, it's just incredible. And, and the video stuff too, like I always collected the, the videos, there any, anything I could get my hands on um, for old USAC videos. And I'm just finding gems around the office that are collecting dust. And it, it, it's a treasure trove to me pretty much every day. When I, I walked in, I was like, kid in uh, Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. <laughs> I thought I got the golden ticket to, to, to do what I truly love. And, and all, the biggest thanks goes to Dick Jordan for, uh, for helping me out and making my dream come true. That's awesome. Well, Richie Murray, I certainly appreciate the time today and uh, good luck with the season. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me on. Thanks again to Richie for his time. He's a busy guy, and they have a lot of racing coming up these next few weeks. You can watch all three of USAC's national series, the Sprint Cars, Midgets, and Silver Crown Cars, all season long live on Flow Racing. I think we're in for a really entertaining year. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit dirttracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.